Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to part four of our series, The Birds and the Bees. Whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. So as I said, uh, super special morning. If you are um, a part of our church family, uh, you've seen me a lot. You know who I am. Uh, if you're new or visiting, maybe you don't know who I am, um, but who you don't see all the time is my lovely, amazing, beautiful wife, Kristen. So, uh, if you don't know who we are, my name is Harrison, and this is my wife, Christy, and we have the honor of being the pastors here at Kingdom Church, and we're just so glad that today you decided to spend some time with us. Now, as I said, she's not up here because... She doesn't want to be up here, or I don't want her up here. It's just she's got a whole lot going on. If you guys did not know this, uh, she leads our kids' ministry here at Kingdom Church. So all the amazing programs, uh, she's overseeing that. And above that, we have four kids under the age of four. And so uh, that in and of itself uh, means it's not always easy for her to be up here. But she's up here today. Come on, somebody. So can we give her some praise, some honor? queen of the house. <laughs> so we uh, are in part four of a series here at church called The Birds and the Bees. Come on, make some noise if you've heard any parts of this series. Few people. So I've said it every week. If you have missed any part of this series, go and watch it online because Chris is going to give you a short recap, but it cannot make up for all that you have missed. <laughs> really short. So I'm excited to be up here. I love sitting next to my husband. I love being up here as a team. And so, yeah, like he said, today we are doing part four of our relationship series called The Birds and the Bees. And we are linking together three things, creation, sex, and relationships. And so the past three weeks, Harrison has covered three different questions. And today we're going to bust out something new. It's not a question but we're going to get a little deeper into just this topic. And so I'm sure there's some of you guys sitting there that are like, oh, another week without sex, another week without relationships. Come on. At church. Today we are diving a little bit more into the creation story, um, and we're really excited. We live in a culture with a lot of confusion Um, and a lot of questions. We're curious people, and we were innately designed to be curious people, and so today we just want to look to see what the Bible says and clear up some misunderstandings and just bring clarity because God is a very clear God. It's really good. So good. So what we're going to do, if you guys have been with us for the first three weeks, we've answered these big questions. So today, we're actually going to kind of backtrack a little bit. We're going to Look at a lot of the stuff we looked at in the first three weeks of this series. But what we're going to do and why Christy is up here in specific is we're going to go back and we're going to look at it through the lens specifically of gender. In other words, what does all this creation stuff mean for men and then for women? And so Christ is up here to give us the women's perspective. Come on, somebody. And I'm up here to give us the man's perspective. And ultimately, in this creation question, we're asking, what does all of this stuff look like in specific for us as men and for women as well? So we're like five minutes in, and this is how you know it's a a different day. I usually (laughs) give you my title right away. But our title for today, so if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, the door's that way. So take out your notes, take out your phones, and we're going to speak on the subject of battle for the sexes. Battle for the sexes. Now, the reason we're doing this is very specific. Mm -hmm. This title is even specific. A lot of the times, if you guys have ever heard about gender, a lot of times the only way people think they can talk about gender is by building up one sex and tearing down the other. And a lot of times when we talk about sex, it's usually in the context of like their competition, their button heads. But today what we're doing is we are battling for 
the sexes. In other words, we are going to look at what was God's original intent when he created us as men and women as well. So uh, secondly, just to make this clear, we're going to talk about gender. And you guys, again, when you talk about this, it's usually within the context of relationships. Today, we're not talking about relationships. So again, because Christy called this a relationship series, you're like, this has been kind of short on relationships. Um, we got four weeks left, people. <laughs> so next week, we're going to dive into it. But today, specifically for us um, as men and us as women. So you guys ready to go? Yeah. That all makes sense? Amazing. So if you guys remember, we've been in the book of Genesis, and we looked at Genesis chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. So here's the retread. You guys, let me know if you remember this. Chapter 1, we said, was the bird's eye view of creation. Remember this? Bird's eye view kind of pulled back. And then chapter 2 was more in depth. It was the relational, like Yahweh God is creating humans. So what I want to do today, look at chapter 1, look at chapter 2, but specifically, again, through this context of um, sex and gender. So Genesis chapter 1 is where we are. This is the bird's eye view. God said, let us make mankind in our image in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God, right, gives them dominion, rule over. Verse 27, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So, here's what's cool in verse 27. The the word mankind in Hebrew is plural. It is a plural word. And so the implication is that when God created mankind, it's letting us know that God created all of mankind. God didn't just create the first humans. God didn't just create one gender. God is responsible for the creation of all mankind. Every single one of us in this room, you were created by God. Come on, somebody. And so God is the creator and the sustainer of all humans. Now, it says, but then God created them in the image of God. So he didn't just create them. He created them in his image. Now, There's a lot of confusion in terms of, like, well, what does it mean that we were created in God's image? Because, like, what does that look like physically? Because I look around. I look at us. Y'all, some of you guys are there. Some not as good looking as us. That's okay. Um, (laughs) But even Christy and myself, we don't look similar. I don't think. (laughs) So what that means is that to be created in God's image probably isn't speaking about physically. We do not physically look like God, especially since Scripture lets us know that God is spirit. So what this is talking about more than physical attributes would be the characteristics of God, Mm -hmm. the personable attributes of God. We reflect God's character in so many different ways. I think that we reflect God's character in in love, in beauty, in art, Mm -hmm. in morality, in justice. These are characteristics of God that we carry as humans. Now, some of us say, well, I don't really know if we're that much different than animals. Well, listen, here is the only thing you share in common with an animal. You were both created by God. But scripture is clear that animals and humans are distinctly different in this. Humans were created in the image of God. Some might say, well, hold on, like animals create things. Yes, they do, but animals are only utilitarian, meaning this. Beavers make dams. Humans make museums. There's a difference. Mm -hmm. Are you guys following? We have the ability to create culture, beauty, art. We do things that are transcendent because we are created in the image of God. Is everyone following? Come on, somebody. So as humans, both male and female, both sexes, both genders, we reflect the image of God. And as we get into this, we are, as, 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 as men and as women, we are more similar than we are different. Yeah. However, Genesis 1.27 makes a very important distinction. It says, God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Like, it's getting redundant. Okay, we get it. Then it says, male and female, he created them. Yeah. Why? Because what Genesis wants us to know is that there is a difference. There is a difference between men 
and women. And we reflect God differently in our differences. Now, in our current culture, maybe this understanding that there's a difference can cause us to feel a certain way. And I would also contend that a lot of times when it comes to differences, uh, people have used it to weaponize, right? And oftentimes make one gender feel less than the other. But the beauty of Genesis is letting us know that although there is a difference, difference isn't bad. And difference does not elevate one and bring down the other. But the first point of our message is simply this. When it comes to men and women, there is a difference. And if we pretend like there isn't a difference, we will miss out on the beauty of how God has created us. So we'll illustrate it like this. Um, My mom moved closer to us recently, um, which is a good thing to help with our kids. Um, The only bad thing is like if she wants to borrow something, I have no excuse because she lives down the road. And so a couple weeks back, she asked if she could borrow um, our can opener. Yeah. And I lent it, but I forgot it. Okay, I'm going to, I'm the woman, so I'm going to go in with a little more detail here. So (laughs) let's start at the beginning. So this was a couple of weeks back, and I had planned to have pizza for supper. Now, like Harrison said, we have four kids that are four and under, and so supper time can get super chaotic at our house. And I like to call it organized chaos, but sometimes it's just like, Honestly, all hell breaks loose. It's like just like no organization, whatever. So I had pizza on my mind. So I was in the kitchen. I got the ingredients out. I had them all sitting out. So our two-year-old, he's a pizza, cheese kind of guy. I mean sauce, cheese. Anybody? Just sauce and cheese. Okay. Our girls like pineapples. Anybody pineapples? Mixed. Interesting. Okay. So... Anyways, I was like, okay, I need a can opener to open my pizza sauce and my pineapples. So I go into the drawer, I'm shuffling around, nothing. I look behind me in a different drawer, it's like the mishmash drawer of like where you put stuff where you don't really know it belongs, and it's not in there. So I'm like, Harrison, where is our can opener? And he goes, ooh. He's like, I lent it to my mom and I never got it back. And so I turn to the fridge, I'm racking my brain, what else can I make for supper? And as I'm looking in the fridge, I hear something. And so I turn around, and Harrison has a knife in his hand, and he's literally stabbing the pizza sauce. Huge knife, little can, like this big. And he's just literally just hacking away at it. Stabbing it. Yeah, like a manly man. And I was like, Harrison, I was like, stop. I was like, stop, stop. You're going to get cut. And like, if there's blood, he's passed out. I'm I'm planning a trip to the ER. The kids are like just watching their father. Like, I don't even know what they were thinking. Murder this piece of sauce. Literally. And so, anyways, after about probably two minutes, he had managed to get these like little holes in the top of the can from the knife. I kind of shook it out onto the pizza. Fully shook it. It worked. A little bit. Not great, though. And so, here's the reason we're telling the story. Um, Not because the knife didn't work, but because it did. Yeah. But here's the issue. The can opener was created for a very specific purpose. Yeah. It was created to open cans. Yeah. And when it is working in its way in which it was created, it is super easy. The yeah. knife, man, there, there's a whole lot of things the knife can do. Yeah. But what the knife wasn't actually created to do, especially the one I was using, yeah. Amen. was to open up cans. Yeah. Now, it worked. It happened. But it was really dangerous. Yeah. And I could have got hurt. Yeah. And do you guys see where I'm going? Because we're talking about gender. Here's the thing. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. Now, we as humans, man, we are very handy. We're very crafty. And we will find a way where there is a way. And so what happens is we think sometimes just because I can, I should. Mm. But God has actually created us as male and female. Yeah with a difference and there is beauty in our differences and when we are actually existing as God created us as men created us as women to exist in 
we will flourish. And so honestly, the beauty in our difference is this. Our differences in design reflect our destiny. Our differences in design reflect our destiny. There is a way in in which God intentionally created you in your specific sex in order that you could achieve something beautiful. Now, we already talked about when it comes to gender, we're not talking about the physical. We're talking more about the characteristics. So let's go a little bit deeper. What does it mean then? Harrison, what are you talking about? What does it mean to be a man? What does it mean to be a woman? Well, I think in the creation account, we're going to see some things. So Genesis chapter 2, we're coming a little bit in now. Genesis 1, scant on details. Genesis chapter 2, a little bit deeper. Genesis 2 verse 7, it says, The Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. The Lord God took the man, put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. So in a second, Chris is going to talk about the woman's account, how she was created. And what you're going to see is that it is far different than how God creates the first man. So look, how was the first man created? From the dust, from the ground. God literally is putting his hands, he's getting his hands dirty to build the first man. Why? Because this is core to understanding the masculine heart. We are rugged. We came from the ground. We came from a God that said, I know what I'm doing. I'm yeah. creating a man. Come on, yeah. somebody. Yeah. And so I love, what, I love what John Eldridge says. He says in, in this book, Wild at Heart, he says, man was born from the outback, from the untamed part of creation. Afterwards, he was brought to Eden. And ever since then, men have had an insatiable longing to explore. We long to return. It is when men most come alive. I love this line. Come on, men, lean in. The core of a man's heart is undomesticated. And that is good. Yeah. Someone shout good. Good. Now, I want to I just talk for a second about gender stereotypes versus God's masculine soul that he's put within us. Yeah. Now, gender stereotypes say this. All men make fires. That's a stereotype. Now, most men I know do like to create fires and make them. But here's the truth. I'm totally good if someone else chops the wood for me and sets the whole thing up. I'm fine. But I'm not less of a man if I don't create fires. What this is talking about is what is innate in our souls. We as men are untamed. What does that mean? It means we long for adventure. It means we long for purpose. It means we long to make a difference. Endowed in us as men is this picture of purpose, Mm. that there is something for me. We were created to be trailblazers, protectors, providers, leaders. It is core to our hearts. And our biology, like I don't believe in God. Okay, our biology is painting a similar picture. If you don't know this, men have 30 times more testosterone than women. Now, you're like, well, what is testosterone for? Sex, number one. Come on, somebody. But we're not getting there yet. But testosterone also gives men a higher level of energy, a sharper mind, increased muscle tone, and, 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 and emotional stability. All of these things are painting a picture. What is God's design for a man? You have a purpose. Yeah. You are a trailblazer. So I'm going to go a little bit deeper, but let's look at the woman's account, which we're going to see a little bit different than the man's. That was really good. So Genesis 2, 21 to 22, it says, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, and while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. I want you guys to look at, even just in this moment of creation, there's such a difference. Harrison talked about the ruggedness of the man. God created him out of dust, under the trees, in the dirt. And then look look at what he says to create the woman. He says, okay, Adam, you are right now my most prized possession, but I need you to lay down. I need you to lay down and go to sleep so I can take something out of your body. That's good. He put the man to sleep, and then out of his ribs, he made the woman. But I want you guys to look at the very end of the verse. It says, then God 
brought her to the mat. Has anybody ever brought you something? Like my kids always bring me their drawings. Now their drawings aren't that great, but God was bringing this. Says you. <laughs> In comparison to the woman, God is. <laughs> God creates the woman and is like, look at him, marvel at this, look at the beauty that I placed within her. And you know what Adam said? Whoa, man. <laughs> God created a masterpiece. There is a piece of the master of God put in us yeah. as women. And it's not just the beauty of the outside. Even though women, we, we are so beautiful. Yeah, you are. There is something on the inside that is even more beautiful. Yeah. We're not just to, to be looked at, but there's a beauty within us that shines so bright because it isn't ours. It's God's. Yeah. It's God's beauty within us. Yeah. As women, we're called the crown of creation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like that final touch that somebody puts yeah. on everything. And so I want you guys to look at Genesis 2:18. It says, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So that was the design, that was the creation portion, and now we're going into the purpose. So God looks at his creation, his most prized creation, the man, and says, something is missing. Yep. There's a piece of my reflection in the man that I just created, in the male, but there's a piece of me that is not yet in this world. And so just imagine God steps back and he looks at everything he has created. I don't know what is like the most spectacular thing that you've ever seen, as I always see people posting sunsets, and sunsets are, they give you this like, oh, wow, that is beautiful. But I want you just to imagine God steps back and looks out at everything, and he says, I can't close this creation account. I cannot go on really until a woman is created. We as women behold God's beauty. It is inside of us, and we reveal something about God that nothing and nobody else can. Yeah. With the man, it's a half of the picture. With the woman, it's a half the picture. But together, in harmony, we reflect the true and the entire picture of God. So good. So good. So let me just give another verse to, to kind of understand the masculine soul a little bit more. Genesis 2, 16. He <clears throat> says, the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So if you guys remember last week, we looked at this verse, right? You guys remember? Now, what we didn't really hone in on is that God doesn't give this verse to the whole of creation. He gives the command to Adam. And I think when we look at the design of Adam, there's a very specific reason that God gave Adam the command. Why? Because Adam, you are created to be a protector. Mm -hmm. You are a trailblazer. Mm -hmm. You are a leader. So of course he's saying, listen, there's this tree. It's really bad. Death is going to be in there. Son, this is on you. Don't eat from it. Why? Because God knows that he created this man for such a time as this. Yeah. Come on, somebody. And here's what's really cool. All the stuff that God put in Adam, he's put into all of us men. Mm -hmm. We have it. And if you want to understand our soul better, understand what we love. If I can look at what we love as men, you will begin to understand our soul. Now, we obviously don't all love the same thing. But I would argue that in most of the things that we love, there is a common masculine theme that brings us in. That's why we love sports. It's why we love the outdoors. It's why we love music. It's why we love movies. Because there is something core to a man where we see an adventure, when we see an obstacle, yeah. it speaks to our soul. Yeah, it's good. Now, for me, I've mentioned it a few times in this series, I love superhero movies. Come on, mm -hmm. somebody. And there's a very specific reason I love superhero movies. I want to be Spider-Man. That's it. Because <laughs> it speaks to my soul. Now, one of the things I haven't mentioned is that my second favorite genre is romantic action comedies. Mm, Maybe you didn't know this, but romantic action comedies are very manly. <laughs> and they speak to the masculine soul. Um, because if you've seen them, well, number one, if you've seen one, you've seen them all. Because <laughs> the plot is always the same. Yeah. Now, 
why I love romantic action comedies is because it speaks to everything in my soul. I love comedy, I love a little romance, and I love action. And what happens usually, pretty simple, like girl hates the guy, guy doesn't like the girl, but they go on some adventure, he saves her a couple times, they fall in love, and we're all swooning by the end of it. Now, this last Christmas, Christy and I decided, you know, on our break, um, because, you know, we have kids, we don't get to stay up all the time. We were going to watch a movie every single night on our Christmas break. Um, we watched one. <laughs> and the movie that we chose was, of course, a romantic action comedy. Mm -hmm. And the movie was called Ghosted, if you've ever seen it. It's got Chris uh, Evans and some other girl. Don't know her name. And I, I just don't know her name. I just, that's all right, that's all right. It was supposed to be Scarlett Johansson. I was reading this week, <laughs> doing some research, but... Became some other group. Um, <clears throat> so this movie is a romantic action comedy. So again, you've seen one, you've seen them all. The plot's exactly the same. It's going exactly where you think it's going to go. <clears throat> there was only one difference. The woman was a secret CIA agent, and the man was just like a, I don't know what he did, what his job was. And so the whole movie, um, she is saving him. Yeah. That's the premise of the movie. Yeah. Now, I'm not alone because I checked Rotten Tomatoes and IMBD after. No one liked the movie. <laughs> and neither did I. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't that the plot needed some improvement. Yeah. It wasn't that anything needed to change. It was the same as it's always been. The only difference is simply this. It did not connect to the masculine soul. Yeah. Because there is nothing in the masculine soul that sits and daydreams of being saved and rescued. We want to be protector. We want to be provider. And so if we know what we love, we can begin to understand how God actually created us. And so listen, men, that thing inside of you where you want to be the hero, you want to be the provider, the protector, guess what? It's God-given. Yeah. And here's the cool thing. We as men and, and females as well, in our differences, we actually reflect our creator. Yeah. We reflect God. What Christy was saying is this. There is a part of God that is distinctly reflected in women, yeah. and there's a part of God that is distinctly reflected in men, meaning I can't reflect God in the same way a woman can, yeah. and vice versa. And so when I understand, sticking with men here, the heart of God, I also understand uh, the heart of man. I understand the heart of God. Yeah. Now, one thing you've probably heard, and this is statistically speaking as well, um, a lot of men, quote, unquote, don't like church. I don't like church. It's not for me. Um, and statistically speaking, it's usually about 40, 60. 60% mm -hmm. women, 40% men. And I think one of the reasons that men often find themselves out of church is because they don't necessarily connect with what I would call a domesticated version of God that we present. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. Because here's the truth God is loving, mm -hmm. God is compassionate. God is empathetic. God is beautiful. And those are all true. But there's also parts of God that are distinctly masculine that yeah. attach to my soul. God is protector. God is provider. He's the name above every other name. Yeah. Sometimes, like, listen, I love the song, like, oh, Lord, you're beautiful. Your face yeah. is all I see. Like, that's okay. <laughs> I like that song. But what I want to know is that I, I serve the undefeated champion of the world. Yeah. That your name is the highest. Your name. I, I, that connects to my soul. I also love poetry. <laughs> and um, William Blake in the 17th century, he wrote this poem that I thought was so cool um, called The Tiger. Mm. And in this poem, he was contrasting the lamb and the tiger. Yeah. Two different things, right? And a lot of times when we think of God, we think of the lamb, right? Like, oh, so cute, so pretty. Um, William Blake says this in his poem called The Tiger. He says, did he who make the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night, what immortal hand or eye dare frame thy fearful symmetry? Yeah. He's looking at the tiger because the tiger is dangerous, it has claws. You get into a cage with a tiger, good luck. And he's asking himself, man, like, okay, I get, like, the lamb, because maybe he's only heard of the domesticated God. Mm. Right? Sometimes we think about tigers, like, oh, that's a result of sin. No, no. 
There is a fierce God that thought the tiger in his mind. So I need to tell someone. I don't even know if I can sit down while I say it, but God is not just the lamb who was slain. I got to stand up. He's the... He's the Lion of Judah. Come on, somebody. He came as a humble servant, but when he's coming back, men, listen to me. He's coming on a horse, and he's coming on a sword. Come on, somebody. I need you to hear me. Because God isn't domesticated. God is. I, so one more thing, then I'm done. I can't get too crazy here. I didn't get this crazy first service. But um, in, in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, um, Aslan, the Lion, is a picture of God. And so um, these guys haven't seen Aslan. They haven't seen God. And so they ask a question. They said, is Aslan safe? Look at the respond. He says, safe? Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he is good. Yeah. God isn't safe, people, but he is good. So good. Okay, so we talked to, for women, we talked about the creation aspect, but we have yet to get into the purpose aspect. So we're going to go to part two of Genesis 2.18. We read it. It said, the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. A helper? Is that what you were thinking? A helper? A help me? Somebody that just helps? Come on. But let's look at it. There's absolutely nothing inferior about the position that God has given us as women. Remember, our differences reflect our design. We are equal, but we are not the same. Are you guys ready to learn a little bit? Okay, grab your pens. So I want to look at the Hebrew version. So I didn't take Hebrew, but this is from Hebrew scholars. And Harrison was like, yeah, that's good. So let's go. So we're Two semesters start, of Hebrew over here. We're going <laughs> to start with the Hebrew word suitable. And it, it says it's, it's nehed. And it means opposite to. It means the counterpart to something. Now, what did we learn a little bit ago? We learned that Eve was taken out of Adam's rib. She was taken from beside him to be opposite of him, to be his counterpart. She is the other part of him. Now look at the second word. It says helper. In Hebrew, this is etzar. Can you guys say etzar? Etzar. (laughs) Okay. So etzar is the combination of two words, and it means to save and to rescue and to be strong. We as women were created to be rescuers. What does this mean? God created the woman to give life. So good. To be life, to offer life to the world. Now, not just in the physical sense of bearing children, but in everything. We are in situations, in people's lives, in everything we touch and we see, we bear life within us yeah. and we give them an inv- invitation to that life. Now the obvious form, the obvious example would be a baby. So I'm going to explain the cycle and it's going to be a a specific example, but I'm going to explain it. So the specific example would be that as a woman, we receive sperm. Got your attention. We receive sperm. Then as a woman, (laughs) come back next week. We, we We nourish it. We develop it. We mature it within our, le- within our body as women, and then we give it back in a more developed form. So now, that sequence is not just in childbearing. It's in everything a woman has to offer, meaning we receive things into ourselves. We receive people. We receive whatever we receive. We receive it. We encourage it. We mature it. We bring life to it. Yeah. And then we offer it back. Yeah. We as women are an invitation to life. Yeah. Why? Because God lives within us. So His good. beauty is within us. So we are life givers. So good. So we've been speaking really, uh, obviously, idealistic, mm-hmm. right? Men are protectors and yeah. providers and trailblazers. Women are beautiful life givers. Mm-hmm. Now, you look around, some of us look in the mirror, it's like, I don't know if I see that. 
Um, so here's the yeah. question. What went wrong? What went last wrong? week we, we dove in a little bit, but let's go a little bit deeper, gender yeah. specific. So Chris, yeah. what went wrong? So let's look at Genesis 3.1. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, to who? The woman. To the woman. Did God really say that? That you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Now this is the devil going after the woman, and this is called the fall. In this verse, when I read it, it gets me every time. I just want to give like a warning to Eve. Are you with me, women? Like, don't you just want to give like a warning to her? Like, just run, run away. Like, Get out the way. you don't know what is about to happen. Like, this is, this is a not a good situation. He is lying. And I think it, it, it makes me feel that way because I think as women... A little bit too often we entertain these lies and we entertain these thoughts and we leave the door a little bit too open that instead of just running away, we kind of let it creep into our heads. And so the verse says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. This was an an intentional attack by Satan. Satan knew that he had to go after the woman to get what he wanted. Why? Because Eve was Satan's greatest human threat. He brings forth death. She brings forth life. life. That is her purpose. Come on, women. We bring forth life. And we know why Satan went after Eve. It's not because she's weak. It's because she's strong. She's the life giver. You go to the life giver to take away life. So good. I don't have too much time for this, but I just want to go into it quickly because it, it, um, it makes a lot of sense for us as women. So it says, Satan said, did God really say that? Yeah. Our kids call them the sneaky snake. The sneaky snake. Did he really? <laughs> did God? Did God really to you. say that? I got a different name for him. <laughs> I can't say it in church. <laughs> what? Continue. So this is the first time. So just to rehash that, he, the, Satan says, did God really say that? This is the first time since Genesis 2, since we, were, we began talking about the man and the woman, that God is used instead of Lord God. And we've explained a little bit in previous sermons that Lord God is intentionally used because it puts the relational aspect into God. Yeah. It gives him a face. It calls him by name. Yeah. And I... I honestly think this was one of the meanest things that Satan could have done to the woman. She took away God's heart. She took away God's face. She took away God's love. And when you take away the face, it was just a command. It was just a rule. It confused her. It deceived her. It's kind of like sometimes Harrison will call me Christy, which is my real name, but he never calls me Christy. Like, I, I, I... if you call me Christy, I think something is wrong. Something is. Something is wrong. It's when you take the heart away from it. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, you're removing the relationship. Yeah. Right? And just like, so instead of like Yahweh, like who loves you, who mm-hmm. wants a relationship, it's like, hey, did that deity in the sky really say that? Yeah. Did that distant, uncaring, un- did he yeah. really say that? Mm-hmm. So it's the removal of relationship. Yeah, exactly. In verse 4, it says, Satan says, you won't die. Your eyes will actually be opened. Yeah. He says, there's something better, woman. There's something yeah. better than what you have right now. Yeah. Just taste it and you'll see. Just try it out. God doesn't know what he's talking about. Why would God say that? Mm-hmm. God doesn't have that kind of, God doesn't have that authority over your life. Yeah. And with that, the woman was convinced that God was holding out on her, that his heart he, that the woman maybe couldn't trust God's heart towards her. And so she seized complete control and disobeyed God. Yeah. And in doing that, she actually did the opposite of what God created her to do. It's really good. God created her to give life. Yep. And in that moment, she offered Adam and all of humanity an invitation to death. Wow. Come on. Yikes. It's really good, Chris. So here's the question. 
where's Adam this whole time? Mm -hmm. So true. <laughs> What's going on, bro? Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. <clears throat> when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, you guys remember this? Yeah. Pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. <laughs> Here's the verse. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. So here's the question. Where was Adam? This is interesting because this story, especially if it wasn't real, it's setting up to be this beautiful fairy tale. God creates this leader, this protector, this rugged man. He gives him the command, everything that he's ever been created for. This is the moment. And so if I'm reading this like it's fake, like it's a fiction, I'm thinking, okay, here comes that dirty devil. But guess what? God created a protector, a provider. He's going to do something. He's going to say something. Where's Adam? He's right there. Yeah. Silent. Mm -hmm. So in our marriage group that we had uh, last year, we called this man Fallen Adam. And what we said, Adam is our first daddy. <laughs> and most of us men... Whether we know it or not, we are like our biological fathers. We are also like our first father, Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in short, if you remember, we are called to be adventurous. We are called to lead. We are called to pr protect. We are called to be trailblazers, and we reflect the heart of God in that way. Yeah. But when we don't lean into that masculine side of us, we enter into the shadow versions of ourselves. And the shadow version of a man is simply this, in one sentence, we are passive when God calls us to be active. If you want to know the sin of a man, we are passive when God calls us to be active. And since I have had this language in my mind, it is so annoying because I see it all the time. There are moments every single day in my life as a man where I have an opportunity to be active and instead I shrink away into passivity. And in that way, I'm just like my father, Adam. Now, I know in the room right now there's a whole bunch of fallen Adams. <laughs> I see you. And here's how I know. Because I know some of us are sitting there right now thinking to yourself, that's, well, whatever, yeah, okay, whatever, but it's Eve's fault. <laughs> like, I don't know about you guys, but if there's a naked woman offering me a piece of anything, like, I'm going to eat it. It's not the man's fault. Come on, man. It's not my fault. Because what do we do as men? We shift responsibility. We blame it on someone else. Here's the truth. Scripture never blames Eve. Let me show you. Romans chapter 5, verse 12. We call this the fall, right? Sin enters the world. It says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through Eve who was deceived, just as sin entered the world through women, is that what it says? No. Nope. It says sin entered the world through one man. Why? Because God gave him the divine weight of responsibility to be a protector for all of humanity. And so Eve isn't to blame because God is saying almost like, I knew this was going to happen, Adam, but I created you for this moment. You, you, I created you for this moment. Our God-given mandate as men is to be protectors, to be providers in so many different contexts. But what we do, this is what men do, because here's what I know to be true. Innately, you guys sitting out here, you know this. I'm not sharing something new as much as I'm putting language to what you've always felt inside. That I carry a weight. That I carry a responsibility. That I was called and created to be someone of purpose and importance. But here's what I also know. Because we carry this weight, I know the heart of all the men in here. Our deepest fear is simply this. Because of this weight that God has given us, our deepest fear is I don't have what it takes. That is the fear of all men. The fear of man is not failure. The fear of man is a deep insecurity that says I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes to be a leader. I don't have what it takes to be spiritual. I don't have what it takes to be a father. I don't have what it takes to be a good husband. I don't have what it takes to be a good boss. It lives in the heart of every single 
man. And what happens is every single time we act contrary to how God created us to live, we live in shame. And the vast majority of men, I hate to say this, do not live in purpose, but we live in shame. Genesis chapter 3, verse 7, when they sinned, it says, The eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together, and they made coverings for themselves. In other words, once they fell, once they sinned, they no longer wanted to be who God created them to be. They covered themselves up with a fig leaf. And the truth is, both men and women, the majority of people that you come in contact with and why we very rarely see true masculinity and why we very rarely see true femininity is because most of us walk around with fig leaves. Mm -hmm. And it looks different for each gender. So there's a fallen Adam and then there's a fallen Eve. And so just like Harrison said in our small group, we started using this language and sometimes I'd call him out for being a passive Adam and sometimes he'd call me out for being a fallen Eve. But I can tell you, and I think all women will agree, that when we're called out on one of our shortcomings, we are actually more aware of it than anybody else. And I think, honestly, that's why we get super defensive because we are more aware of it than anybody else. I can see Fallen Eve in myself, and I can see it in us as women today. Instead of fighting to protect our beauty, instead of fighting to protect our femininity, instead of being a life giver, we hide it, we're embarrassed by it, we're confused by it. We as women have something so beautiful inside ourselves. Why is it so beautiful? Because it reflects. God, but instead of proudly owning it and unveiling it and having an invitation for other people to come into it and experience true life, we seize control out of fear. And I think as women, we've become really, really good at hiding our true selves. For every woman, there is this desire to be beautiful. And when when I say that, there might be something in your mind that's like, beautiful, like, I don't really resonate with like princesses, but that since there is a beauty that was put within us, we want others to be able to see it. We want to feel cherished and loved to be seen and to be enough. And so I'll explain it like this. A couple months ago, Harrison um, called me when he was headed home from work and he's like, Chris, Chris, he's like, I'm heading home. Babe. And I was like, all right, praise the Lord, hallelujah. He's headed home. Those four kids can be a lot. So I'm like, I feel like I need to kind of clean up the house. So I swept and I mopped and did a little maybe vacuuming. And I just, I wanted to make the house look really good. That's all it was. I wanted it to feel warm so that he would just be invited in in that moment. And so Harrison gets home, I hear the garage open, I'm kind of proud of what I've done, the kids are doing a craft at the table, I feel accomplished, he walks into the kitchen, and then the first thing he says is, why is this always so messy under the table? That's the message translation. And in that moment, I, I just shut down. I, I honestly had tears in my eyes, and I turned my back, and I, I walked away, and I, I probably gave him the cold shoulder for way too long. But in that moment, something within me felt really strong, a really strong emotion. And I think because, because of your guys' response, I think there was two responses. One of you guys, probably the women, we're like, oh my gosh, he said that? How dare he? The other response was probably from the men. A crumb? Are you joking me? You shed tears over a, a comment about a crumb? Grow up. <laughs> Grow up. Now, the point of the story is that no matter what, in that moment, I had a decision. Yep. I could either open myself and make me vulnerable in an explanation to Harrison of like, hey, I just wanted for you to see this beauty that I, that I had kind of worked hard at. I, I was in a vulnerable position. 
Or I could do the opposite and shut down and hide that beauty. And that's what I decided to do. So in the end, I decided to take life, because we probably didn't talk for a couple hours. There was a lot of resentment and bitterness over such a small comment. But what I should have done was just open myself up and allowed him to see what I was trying to, to, to say. Have you guys been there as women? A, a small comment or, or something that we react, um, that causes a reaction that is not rational. Have, has, anybody, has, has anybody been there? Any women? Okay, there we go. <laughs> now, in the moment where we reject the invitation to life, we run away, we hide. We hide that beauty within us. And in that moment, what we are doing is we are getting away from the fact that we don't want anybody else to see our beauty because it can be vulnerable. And we fear any kind of rejection. Now, I used a crumb, which is really small, but there's a lot of situations in our life that cause us to hide or put a fig leaf over our beauty. And it doesn't just happen once because once you do it once, you become a little more numb to it. So the next time something happens, you put another fig leaf over your beauty. If it's rejected here or something happens here, you continue to build up these fig fig leaves over the beauty that God has given us. And over time, we become one of two women or a combination of both. And so I just want to explain these two types of women. I want you guys as women to take an inventory over your heart right now. Because these are the seeds that we have within us. So we have two women. Number one, the dominating woman. This is the controlling woman. This is the controlling friend. She's the one that wants to control all relationships and all friends. She's closed off. She's not inviting. She's not vulnerable. She has a hard time opening up. She's hardened. There might not be that compassion or that love or the softness or tenderness in her. She's the one that every story that she tells is maybe one of like unforgiveness or hurt or rejection. Mm-hmm. And then there's the boss, babe. This is the one that just says, I don't need a man. I don't need anything. Nothing can hurt me. If I don't put myself out there, there's no risk. Yeah. Desolate. This is the second type of woman. Withdrawn finds anything to hide behind. And these can be good things. This can be serving, working, giving, but she's hiding behind it for a reason. It's good. The second, number two, it's inauthentic. She is always who other people think she needs to be. Never her true self. And number three is desperate. She's just desperate for that attention. She has longings and desires within her that are just not satisfied. And so over time, these fig leaves compound and pile up. And it's not just things that we do as women. It's actually who we become. And instead of being life givers, we become life takers. It was so good. And I think just one thing, you know, I didn't say it first service, but the lie women believe when they get caught in these things is, is not that I'm wearing a fig leaf. It's this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I've always been this way. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times there's usually some point of pain yeah. that it's connected to that forced them to begin to live in such yeah. a way. And our minds are so powerful. I'm going to get to guys here mm-hmm. that um, who you are is not actually as important as who you think you are. Mm-hmm. And so most of us live in who we think we are as opposed to who God created us to be. In other words, I'm just, I've always been withdrawn. Yeah. I've never been an emotional person. But it's usually to protect the beauty yeah. that we're afraid yeah, it's really good. we'll get rejected. So um, for men, uh, again, what does this look like? Well, well, again, the fig leaf is anything that we wear so we don't feel inadequate. Yeah. So uh, for me, I come from a long line of men uh, that don't know how to build things. And so uh, I remember when, um, when our twins were born, uh, I, had to, I had to build our cribs. And so I don't have to build just one crib. I got to build two cribs. And to make things worse, it's from Ikea. Come on, somebody. And so it's like, it's harder and it's in Swedish for, you know, whatever reason. Like, so truth be told, I was probably a little bit on edge before I even started having to use the Allen keys and whatever else <laughs> comes with these things. And what was happening in this particular crib is that it was one of those things where like, you know, men maybe women too, if you've done the Ikea thing. Um, you know where like you have to hold one screw in with a thing 
and then screw it at the same time to keep it in the same spot. You guys know what I'm talking about? I hate those things. I don't know whose idea they were. But what was happening as I was building the crib is that I couldn't screw the thing in and the screw kept falling out. And every single time the screw was falling out, I was reacting in a particular way. Now, what I didn't realize at the time was that even before the whole experience started, I had entered in with a deep insecurity. And the insecurity was simply, I don't have what it takes. I'm not enough. And so the moment every single time that stupid little screw fell out, because men, listen, we don't want to lean into vulnerability. And we definitely don't want to lean into insecurity. So instead of saying, Chris, I'm really feeling a certain way. Instead, I reacted in anger. And every single time that stupid screw fell on the ground, I got more and more angry. Because listen to this, it's easier to be angry than it is to be vulnerable. To admit what I'm actually feeling. Now, I want you guys to write something down because I think it's going to be revolutionary. So if you're taking notes, write this down because I think it's it's really important for this cultural moment. Um, We live in a culture talking a whole lot about toxic masculinity, right? You guys heard this? Write this down. And this doesn't come from me. I want to I want to give credit, but I can't remember where I heard it from. But write it like this. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. Write it again. There is no such thing as toxic masculinity. Why? Because all masculinity is good and it is God-given. Anything that is evil, objectifying, or taking advantage of someone is not masculinity. It is something something distinctly different. And so the lie of the enemy right now says, men, we need to get rid of our masculinity. Nope. We actually need to lean into who God created us to be. Because toxic masculinity is not masculinity. It's just a fig leaf. It is something that you are wearing to seize control so no one can see the real you. And so for a lot of men, we manifest it in anger because anger makes us feel powerful. It makes us feel strong. But anger is not a masculine trait. It's a fig leaf. Now, I know some of you guys are a little more refined than me. You're like, Harrison, I don't get angry, bro. I know because your fig leaf is to disconnect. And you say, I don't have emotions. Men, men don't have emotions. No, they do. We do. But we're actually too afraid to feel our emotions, so we fall behind the fig leaf that says, I'm just not an emotional person. Nothing really matters to me. I don't really care. You can't hurt me. I don't have friends. I don't have... I don't, <laughs> Dominic Toretto, I only got family. Right? <laughs> For some of us, we're so... Come on, because what's that question, men? Do I have what it takes? Yeah. And so for some of us, we hide behind video games. And the reason we play video games is not because I'm addicted to the game. It's because it gives me an escape where there is no real risk. And I can play this thing for 8 to 10 hours a day and never really fail. Because there's no actual consequence. And so no matter what happens, I can always respawn. I can always create a new village in Minecraft. And I don't have to actually face the deep thing inside of me that says I'm really afraid to fail. I'm really afraid I don't have what it takes. For some of us, our fig leaf is porn. And there's statistics that men are now not engaging with women. They're literally just living online, watching pornography. And pornography is the biggest lie in so many ways. But when you watch porn, you are not being a man. You are actually rejecting your masculinity. Because a part of what it is to be a man is to pursue. And the reason I love porn is because I don't have to pursue. I'll never be rejected. She's going to like me no matter what. She don't see me, but she's going to like me. And it's safe. And it doesn't cost me anything. But men, I want to assert to you today, what if God created you to be prepared for the risk, for the journey? And if you fail, it's okay. God's put it in your heart to say, I'm going to get up and I'm going to go again. But we just blame Can I tell you the manliest thing that you can do is stick around when you feel like leaving, when you feel like hiding. Because to be a man is to say, God has created me for this 
moment. So, <laughs> we tried to be short of this service. We're not. You guys all good? Okay, love you guys. We're not usually an hour long, but we got a lot to say today. And it's, it's been good? Hopefully so. Okay, so we know, we know the man created for adventure, protector, provider, leader, the woman, beautiful, life giver. We know the fig leaves that we wear. So Harrison, where's the hope? Because like, I, don't, I don't know. I feel like I live as a fig leafed woman. I feel like I live as a fig leaf man. Where, where's the hope? If you guys remember last week, as soon as they fall, God's first response was three words. Where are you? Where are you? So here's the beautiful thing, woman. Here's the beautiful thing, men. When we live below our created potential, when we reject our femininity, when we reject our masculinity, you know what God says? It's not, I'm so sick of you. How could you do that? He says, where are you? As if to say, get this. Come on, come on, lean in. Our shortcomings don't change God's strategy. He's not switching things up. He's not removing gender. He's not getting rid of it. He's not switching it. He's saying, where are you? I know maybe you've never felt like a woman. I know maybe you've never felt like a man, but listen, son, listen, daughter, you are who I've created you to be. Everything that you've ever needed is within you. He's saying to someone today, get up. Chris, encourage us. And let, let, let's stand, because I want to just, I want to speak over us. I want to declare some stuff over us. <clears throat> In Genesis 3.20, it says, Adam names his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all living. Now this, I might have been calling Eve, Eve, throughout this sermon, but what we have to know is that Eve is named life-giving after. After she falls, after she disobeys God, after she disregards the command, Adam names her Eve. She is named Eve, as if to say, you are still who I created you to be. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with what you do, what you don't do. It is because of me as God. I created you a woman with a purpose. And there's nothing that you can do that can change that. So good. God does two things. He says, daughter, I pursue you. When he says, where are you? And I clothe you. He covers us as women. We are under his cover. God is calling us as women to stand up. We are set apart. We are equal, but we are different. And we behold God's beauty within us. Who are we to uninvite people? No, we were created in God's image and there is something so special and so marvelous about us as women. That we have an invitation. We have an opportunity to invite people in to our lives, lives that are joyful, that are tender-hearted, that are nourishing, that encourage, that mature. And I just feel in my spirit, I wanted to say something to, to, to a woman out there, to a female, that you've never felt like a girl. Mm-hmm. You've never felt like a woman. What Christy said, when by naming her Eve, it's literally simply because I say so nothing else daughter you're a daughter that's it so I want want to speak that over someone now for guys look at that verse again Genesis 3:20. it says Adam named his wife Eve and I love this verse and it gets me emotional I'll tell you why because every single man in this room I know your heart and I've been to where you are because what happens when we fall short is that we immediately get stuck in shame And what shame says is I can't get up, I can't do it again, I don't want to lead, I don't want to be a provider, I don't want to be a protector, it's a woman's world, let them be in charge. But Adam falls, says, where are you? And I can almost imagine Adam saying, God, here's the keys, take it back, I'm not in charge, I don't have anything anymore, but God says, go name your wife. You're still the leader. So men, hear me. This is the Father's heart speaking to you right now. Even if you fell, 
even if you feel like you don't have what it takes, the Father is saying, Son, you are who you've always been. And nothing can change that. Your shortcomings do not change my strategy. And I want to share prophetically Matthew chapter 3. Jesus, when he's baptized, the whole Trinity shows up. And I don't really think in this moment so much that Jesus needed what happens in verse 17. But I think us men need this. So Jesus is baptized. Spirit comes like a dove. In verse 17, a voice came from heaven and he said, this is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. So come on, men, lean in for a second. The Father is speaking to you prophetically. He says, you are my son. Come on. I know, I know where you've been. I know how you've fallen. I've been there. But he says, you're still my son. He says, I still love you. And I'm proud of you. If you've never heard this, sons, God loves you. He sees you. And he's proud of you. And your shortcomings don't change his strategy. Don't let anyone ever tell you you are not a man. You are because God created you as such. You have what it takes. So come on, I'm going to pray over both of us right now, over all of us right now. Father, every daughter in this room, Father, as I speak, may these be your words. Daughter, your beauty comes from me. Your value and your worth comes from me. You are life giver. And anything that is contrary to that is not from me. God is saying, I love you. I see you. I'm proud of you. Sons, God says you have what it takes. Sometimes we don't feel like we have all the answers. It's not because God doesn't want to give us the answers. I think it's because God so believes I've put everything in you you'll ever need to be the person that I've called you to be. So, Father, I just pray over this church. I pray over all the people here that they would see themselves as you see them. May we see ourselves as you see us. We love you, Jesus. We pray in your mighty and holy name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you want more information about our church or want to get connected, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We can't wait to get to know you. Till next time, take care.